The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The Employment Law Show. In these turbulent times, there's a lot of employment law questions when it comes to your job and your career and temporary layoffs and where you stand within uh, your job or whether you're an employer or an employee. It doesn't matter. We'll try to get to a, a few emails as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And by the way, anytime you want to uh, check out a, a website that's absolutely free but full of information for you, designed for you to uh, spend some time on pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And during the show today, we will get to uh, the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Haven't done this for uh, a little bit, so we want to revisit that sucker. But uh, always, we've got a couple situations to deal with, Lior, as far as the uh, the week that was is concerned. How are you doing this morning, pal? I am doing very well. Uh, Excellent. You know, excited, looking forward to a nice weekend, looking forward to spending some time outside. I think we all are. But you know what, John? Right now, right here, we're not going to do that. Right now, we're going to talk about employment law. We're going to talk about workplace rights. We're going to talk about probably one of the most important things that there is. We all spend most of our days, most of our time at work, on the job. So we need to understand what our rights are, what our legal entitlements are, how to solve workplace problems, what to do if our boss did something or said something, maybe gave us an ultimatum, maybe refuses to accommodate us or to help us. This is the time and place. So unless your situation at work is perfect, you went in and it's all sunshine and roses and hugs and kisses, unless that's your situation, you got to give us a call and ask questions. Don't be bashful. There's always answers. There's always solutions. And we'll also give you throughout the show the second option, which is to give us a call at the office. Call me at the office or email me at the office so we can have a private chat as well. But with that said now, John, let's talk about some situations that came across my desk. Uh, I spoke uh, right at the beginning of the week with a gentleman who had been off on a disability leave for a number of months because uh, of a, a bad back and some knee issues. Uh, he has a, a physical, very manual uh, labor type of a job. Uh, finally, was clear back to come back to work, but his doctor said for the foreseeable future, you can only work five hours a day. He usually worked up to 10 hours a day. Ooh. So went with that doctor's note to his employer. First couple of weeks, no problem. He's working his five hours a day, uh, and, and everything is fine. After a couple of weeks, his employer says, uh, well, our workload has increased, and we need you to start working your 10 hours now consistently. Mm-hmm. It's been long enough, so you're back to work. He tried it. Tried it for a little while. Couldn't do it. Pain, uh, not feeling well. Talked to his employer, and his employer says, well, too bad if you can't do it. I guess you have to resign. Wow. And on the eve of resigning, he calls me. Thank God he did. And he wanted to know what his rights are. So, John, let's start, and hopefully our regular listeners know that his employer must, not should, but must accommodate his physical limitations because they're supported by a doctor. They don't get to decide that two weeks is enough. We don't have to accommodate you. The only one that can decide that is his doctor. If his doctor were to say, yes, after two weeks, he doesn't need accommodation, fine. But his doctor did not say that. So they cannot decide on their own. Now we're going to forget about that accommodation. Now you're back to 10 hours. Right there, that's a human rights violation. Illegal, can't do that. If at all possible, they must accommodate. The second issue, of course, is what is this nonsense about, well, I guess you have to resign. Ridiculous. You never have to resign. 
unless you choose, you don't want to work there anymore. Unless you choose, you're going to make a move. It's your choice unilaterally, and it's your choice independently. So this is an illegal situation completely. There's a human rights violation. If they tell him he has to resign, that's a termination. He's owed severance after quite a few years there. So I'm going to help them get this resolved. Hopefully I can just send a letter to the company, remind them of their legal obligations. They'll say, okay, my bad, we'll continue accommodating. But there's a very important lesson there for everyone about accommodation, about a resignation, about physical limitations. Remember, your employer has to find a way to accommodate you. Always top priority is you. Dave, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging in for a couple minutes. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys this morning? Good, brother. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, okay, I've, I'm on uh, workman's comp, and I'm back to work, just working a few hours a day. And when I go back, if if the company turns around uh, and says, well, I'm sorry, we have nothing else for you, the comp retrains you. Over the last five years, I've been laid off by the company, and but they've always called me back, but sometimes it could be two, three months or whatever. And then I've worked somewhere else. And then as soon as they called, I've went back. Am I still entitled to severance if they say we have nothing else for you? And, you know, through comps and comp retrains me, am I entitled to severance? Absolutely, you're entitled to severance. That, those times that you were on a temporary layoff, you were still considered to be an employee. Your seniority didn't start at zero when you came back. So you're absolutely entitled to severance based on your total time with the company. But there's something else I want you to to, to keep in mind. Them saying, oh, uh, we just don't have anything for you, doesn't actually mean that they're allowed to let you go. Because at the end of the day, it's not a question of whether they say that. It's a question of whether that's true. As I was talking earlier, an employer has to find a way to accommodate you. And it's not enough to say, well, it's a pain in the butt. We don't want to. If they are able to accommodate you, they have to do it. So if they do let you go, not not only would I want to look at severance, I would also want to look at whether or not they could have accommodated you. They could have found something, but they chose not to. That would also be a human rights violation. Right. Usually what it was was it was just a slow time of the year, so they didn't have a lot of work for everyone. So if I did go, but I did work with someone else during that time, so that it doesn't matter if I work with someone else and they I come back as soon as they call me, does it? Absolutely does not matter whatsoever. If they let you go, Dave, you call me. We'll make sure you get your full severance, but you know, your seniority did not start at zero. Okay, then thank you very much. To reach out, uh, by the way, Dave, and you as well, you want to contact Lior in a more lengthy conversation. It's easy. one 821 5900 Hello, Rick. Okay, so I was laid off. In uh, March of this year, I was with the company for six months. Six months later, in October, they called me back, uh, and uh, there was a new bonus structure uh, structure that was for six months from September 2020 until the end of February. If all the locations received, uh, got 100% on budget, everybody gets a bonus collectively. So... I started mid-October of 2020. I approached them and I said, "Okay, do I get my? I'm getting my bonus because everybody achieved 100%." They came back and said, "Well, we're not sure. Technically, you didn't start in the beginning of September. You started mid-October, so we have to go back to see if you're really eligible for that six months bonus." So. 
I just want to understand my legal right of why deserve that six months bonus because technically I missed 45 days of the first six months or not. So Rick, before they implemented this uh, six month bonus, was there a different bonus? Well, yes, there was, there is a guaranteed bonus. Uh, and then they paid me the first six months. And then in the second six months, the guaranteed bonus, I was laid off, and they said, well, we can't give you that bonus because you weren't working. So I let it go because I was hoping to call, get called back, which I did. So that, that, that was gone. So that bonus I didn't get. This one I came back, but I haven't worked the full six months, but I've worked five of the six months, helped achieve the bonus of that particular location which I'm situated. So in my mind, I should at least get that bonus or be prorated that bonus of five months. So the bonus that they have, is there is it outlined in a bonus plan document or is it just kind of something that they, they decided and talked about it with you? Or is it actually written in a plan document? Uh, the first guaranteed bonus was when my contract, but the second one was an email uh, uh, from the president, which I have. So, so here's what I'm going to say, but this is probably a discussion that's a bit more in-depth that we may want to have off-air, but the bonus the, the original had in your contract, they're not actually allowed to change that. They can't say, well, we've decided now we're going to have a different bonus, and those are the terms. So if, in fact, pursuant to your original bonus, you would have qualified for a bonus or even a prorated portion uh, currently, which are uh, you know currently working from October onwards, then they'd have to pay it. And they, they can't actually say, well, no, no, we actually changed that. It doesn't work that way. An employer doesn't get to change terms of employment unilaterally. If, uh, if in fact, you would not have qualified under the terms of that bonus, then it's up to them to decide with this new bonus who is going to get it and how. So I want to actually see your original contract. I want to see that email that they sent you about the new bonus. And I want to understand whether you would have qualified for a bonus if the old plan was still in place. Remember, an employer can't just decide one day, well, we've decided moving forward, there's another bonus, so here you go. They can't do that. Just like they can't decide, well, we're gonna, we've decided instead of paying you 60000 we're going to pay you 40000 so there's some things I want to look at with you, Adam. So I really want you to give me a call off air so we can do this properly. Uh, okay, yeah, please leave your number. I don't have it. Got you covered, Rick. No problem. And it is right here, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll take our first break. Adam, stand by. You are coming up next, the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca has all kinds of information about uh, everything surrounding employment law, whether you're an independent contractor or are you an employee, anything about severance pay, the calculator's on there as well. That's just the uh, the tip of the iceberg. Check it out, PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. Adam, thanks uh, for standing by. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing? It's a beauty. What's, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, not much, not much. Uh, I just got uh, my question, my employment question is, I've been working with the same organization for 20 years, 
And for the last five years, I've been uh, uh, straight days, Monday to Friday. Um, and now they want to change my shifts from Tuesday to Saturdays. So is that is that considered like a constructive dismissal if I wanted to leave and get severance? Or can they just change my hours at their will? No, that, that is a huge change, uh, Adam, going from, from that the schedule you have to what they want to do uh, right now. That's a massive change that would absolutely be a constructive dismissal. It's, you know, probably one of the biggest changes that an employer can make is to change that schedule. And you said you've been there for about 20 plus years? Uh, uh, roughly 20 years. And the last, it's been like the last five years I've been straight, straight days, yeah. Monday to Friday. No, that, that, that's not something they're allowed to do. And, you know, depending on your specific job and age, you could be owed anywhere from 18 to as much as 24 months of severance. So here's what you can do. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, you have to decide what's better for you, right? Is it better to continue working with a new schedule or would you rather leave with severance? If you say no, no matter what, I am not doing this new schedule, tell your employer, sorry, not willing to do it. I, I want to continue uh, my regular schedule. If they back off, they back off. If they don't back off, you call me and we'll talk about constructive dismissal and getting you out of there with severance. But that's definitely a constructive dismissal, Adam. Okay, uh, thanks for the info. I, I got a, a couple different uh, different viewpoints from a couple different lawyers, right? One lawyer said, no, 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 you, it's not a constructive dismissal. And, and then I got yeah, your advice. So if, if you look, Carefully at the situation, it's not just a constructive dismissal. It's a constructive dismissal with a little cherry on top. That's how clear it is. So absolutely okay. a constructive dismissal, Adam. Okay. Thanks for the info, guys. Uh, you want to follow up further, Adam, or, or if you're listening as well, one 821 5900 speaks to two things right there with what Adam said. Number one, he probably didn't talk to an employment lawyer. Uh, and number two, a phone call like that, and that question probably never would have come about until 10 years ago when we started this show because people just, they, they wouldn't, their thinking around employment law wouldn't go deep enough to think, hey, maybe my employer can't do that. It's amazing. It's, it, it's, it's good to see that people are just waking up and, and starting to, to glean some of the knowledge that you put out here. And they're asking these questions now. It's, it's a great thing, right? I, I'm really so happy to see that. And people are asking questions. And it starts with asking questions. Sometimes the answer may be, no, there's nothing that you can do. But but at least you have to ask the question and find out about your rights. And you're right. There's always been this assumption that employees, frankly, and employers had that, well, the employer is the boss. It's the right. employer's company. So they must be able to make the decision. They must be able to decide the hours, the pay, and, and there's nothing I can do. But that's wrong. That's not even close. The employer can no more change your days than you can say, well, I've decided from now on I'm only working Tuesday to Saturday instead of Monday to Friday. You couldn't do that, of course, as the employee. By the same token, the employer can't do that. So if you're facing a significant change, like Adam just talked to us about, that's not something an employer is allowed to do. That gives you the right to treat it as a constructive dismissal. If you're in that situation, give me a call and let's chat about it. Revisiting the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. We probably do this maybe once or twice a year because all ten of these are, are so important for, uh, for people to know moving forward in their career. I want to get right into these, pal. First one is this. Thou shalt think about termination when accepting a new job. Not at the end, but when accepting that new job. Sounds weird though, right? It does, doesn't it? I mean, wait a second. So I should think about termination of my employment now when I just accepted an offer? <laughs> I'm a happy guy. I'm looking forward to working there for a long time. Why would I think about termination? 
Well, the reason you have to think about it now is because guess what? Your employer is. And how do we know that? Because you're going to look at that job offer letter or an employment agreement, contract of employment, call it whatever you want. And in that document, there's going to be a term more often than not that tries to limit your future severance. So you're a happy guy, you accepted a job, look at that, salary is what I asked for, they even gave me my four weeks vacation, I could not be happier. Except there's a term in there, usually on you know last page, second last page maybe, that limits your future severance, it's, and, and if you don't pay attention to it and you accept it, at some point it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So what do you do? You think about that. You review the employment agreement. You understand what you're signing. Better yet, call me. Let's review it together. Yeah. And because those terms can be negotiated, we can eliminate those termination clauses or, or make them much, much better. So you want to think about termination, especially to, to pay attention as to whether there's something in your employment agreement that tries to limit your future severance. If you don't care about it now, you'll find out later that you're stuck. So please be smart about it. Don't give up tens of thousands of dollars or more that you're legally owed. Think about it when you're accepting a job. Dave, what's going on? Okay, so my situation is this. I am employed, and I'm still employed, currently employed to be uh, terminated in July of this year um, for 20 years. After seven years, I went on permanent disability due to an accident. I've been paid by the benefit provider. And, and now I got a letter from the company saying that they're offering me a severance for 21 weeks. Uh, 21 weeks of severance and eight weeks in lieu of notice. I want to know if that's a fair settlement. So am, am I fair, uh, am I right to say, Dave, that you, you've essentially been off work for the last 13 years or so? That's correct, about 14 years. And, and I take it then it, it's not likely you're going back to work, at, at least not at this company? Uh, no, I, I'm permanent disabled. Okay. I can't go back, and I just turned 65 in January. Right, I understand. Got it. So, so because you're not able to go back to work, this is what we call a frustration of contract. Essentially what that means is that your employment is ending not because you did something wrong or not because the company wants to let you go, simply by virtue of the fact that you cannot work anymore. In that situation, the company only has to pay you your minimum entitlements, which for you, that's about 28 weeks pay. Now, normal severance and a regular termination for you could be 20 or 24 months pay. For you, because you're not able to work, it's only your minimum entitlements. So yes, what they've offered you is correct, and it's only because you're not able to go back to work. If you were able and they decided to terminate, you'd be owed much, much more. In your situation, uh, unfortunately, that is all that is owed. Okay, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Dave. You. Hi, Trent. Hi, how you doing? Good, pal. What's uh, what's going on today? Well, it's, I'm actually calling on behalf of my wife. Uh, she works for a company. She's on parental leave right now, and uh, in another month, she's going to be off parental leave. Um, and uh, we've gone through... The, her human rights, human resources to seek accommodation because uh, our son is 17 months old and uh, we need childcare for him. The company has basically flat out denied 
any accommodation for her, saying, no, we will not accommodate you. Um, and all she's asking for is a schedule change because I'm a shift worker. She's a shift worker. Uh, and obviously, it's a bit of a mess. We can't uh, get childcare um, without an accommodation for one of us. Uh, my employer's been pretty good as far as accommodating my shift hours so that I can drop them off. But hers has flat out said, no, we're, we're not going to accommodate you. So, uh, Trent, th- this is a, a, an issue that's been litigated by our courts, by our human rights tribunals, and consistently, and every single time, the decision has come flat, like completely in favor of the employee. Bottom line is, her employer has a duty to accommodate. We call this accommodation on the basis of family status. I.e., yeah. she's a mother, she has a child, the child needs care, and the only way that that you and, and her as the parents can provide proper care is through accommodation. They have yeah. to do it if at all possible. Now, if she's asking for some outrageous accommodation when she works once every three weeks, you know, something silly like that, then clearly they don't have to go that far. But if yeah. it's, you know, a relatively simple uh, shift change, they have to do it. So one way to resolve this, and it's probably the easiest and, and you know, less, well, at least complicated way, is to have me send them a very nice letter reminding them, very nicely, of course, of their obligation. And nine out of ten times, that does the trick. Oh, yes, no, we misunderstood. Sorry, yeah, yeah, well, of course, we'll accommodate as soon as they hear from me. If they still refuse, that could be considered that that's a human rights violation. That could also be considered a constructive dismissal. So there's going to be a lot of recourse. But if her goal is to co- continue working just with that accommodation, honestly, a letter from me is very likely going to resolve that. She continues working, no problem. What they're doing is illegal. They have to accommodate. Now, um, she's unionized. Ah, I should have asked first. Sorry, (laughs) my bad. Uh, Then the only one that can do anything for her in that situation is the union. I can't do anything for her, and, and the union is the only one. And depending on the collective agreement, what I told you may not even be right. Uh, so that's the thing about being unionized. You you essentially give up your rights and tell the union, you figure out my rights and put them in the collective agreement. I'm staying out of it. So she has to talk to the union. The, the union is the only one that can help her. So the union is basically saying this is a government issue where um, we've countered and said, well, the company needs to express how it's causing undue hardship, um, which as far as what I've been able to find out, it's based on cost, outside funding, or health and safety. Um, the organization has said, well, we're, it's our decision. You're just like every other family out there, where we're countering going, well, based on the Human Rights Code, it's an individual basis. So how can you categorize mm-hmm. this like every other family out there? No, the, the problem is, Trent, the problem here is not whether you're right or wrong, because you're right. Okay. The problem is what do you do about it? And the only one that can do something about it is the union. So if you're in a situation where the union says, well, we're not going to do anything, we don't like it, we don't agree, then you're stuck. That's the problem with being unionized. So, you know, in in, in non-union situation, it's a question of am I right or am I wrong? Here it's am I right or am I wrong? And can I do, can I have someone do something for me? And the only one that's allowed to do anything for your wife is the union. So short of pushing the union, there's really not much that can be done. That's the unfortunate thing about being unionized. Now, if it does end up where um, they're not able to provide an accommodation for her and it results in her 
um, basically being forced out of the company by tactics that they're going to use. Um, uh, would this end up being considered a constructive dismissal? And can, after she ceases working for the company, can you still go through a human rights tribunal and or get legal counsel? You cannot get legal counsel, unfortunately. And there's no such thing, unfortunately, for unionized employees, a constructive dismissal. Constructive dismissal only applies to non-union employees. So it's you know pretty much everything we talk about on the show, you know, 98% of it only applies to non-union employees. So push the union, work with the union. Uh, even after she ceases working, she can't say, well, now I'm going to retain a lawyer. It does have to be the union. Appreciate the call and the questions. Trent, Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Never, ever hesitate to call out and uh, reach out to Lior when the show is not on for a lengthier private conversation. You do that by calling one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca through email and the website anytime, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Jim, thank you for uh, for hanging on through the break. How you doing? Good, sir. What's uh, What troubles you? Well, um, I was recently written up by my employer for what they call a customer mistreat. And what had happened is the customer had called in. I couldn't satisfy their requirements, and he got very belligerent and rude. And during that time, Joel, just hang on one second. You can call one to here. Can I raise it? Sorry about that, guys. No worries. <laughs> um, so I had been nailed with a, a customer mystery. Now, our, our program itself is black and white. Or not black and white. It's very gray. It's, it's based on opinion of the um, employer. Now, I personally don't feel I did anything wrong. I was called some very nasty names. Um, I did everything according to the way I was supposed to. Um, But they ended up writing me up, um, putting me on. Still there, Jim? Yeah, sorry. They ended up putting me on what they call a final. So one more incident in six months, and they terminate. So what I did is I refused to sign it, um, as per your information on previous shows. And when I refused to sign it, I sent them an email, and I actually cut and pasted our employee code of conduct with my rights as an employee, what I'm entitled to expect from other employees. Um, so I sent this to them, refused to sign it, and they said refusing to sign itself was um, an admission of guilt and that they could terminate me right away. Uh, my first question, Jim, you're not part of a union, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. So let's start with the idea that they're right that an, that they could terminate you right away because you said you've listened to our show before because an employer can always terminate you right away as long as they pay severance. The real issue is are they in a position to terminate you for cause, i.e. without severance? And the answer to that is an emphatic no. 
absolutely not. Now, in terms of signing, I have no problem you signing a document confirming that you've received a copy of the write-up because you've received it. I don't want you to sign something acknowledging that it's correct. So if, if the document says, by signing here, you agree that this is all correct and it's accurate and it's exactly what happened, you can't sign it. But, but to sign that you agree that you've accepted, that, that you've received a copy of this letter, it's fine. So what I would want you to do, I have no problem you to sign for acceptance, but at the same time, if you have not done this already, you said you sent them a copy of the manual, but I want you also to send a copy, or not a copy, an email, of exactly what happened. So here's what happened. This gentleman came in at 9.15. He said the following things to me. Here's what I did. So it's there on the record. You don't want a response. By doing that, what that ensures that even in two months or six months or 12 months, if they decide to let you go, we can't stop that from happening, it will never be caused. They will have to pay you your full severance. So this is not so much about will they or can they let you go because they can. It's about making sure that you don't lose your severance. So signing is okay if it's signing for, for accepting and receiving the document, uh, but you want to make sure you send an email with your side of the story. If they let you go, if they try to try avoid paying you your full severance, you call me right away. Okay, so that, that was the first one. Then I got a quick one for you the second time. Um, attendance. Um, had some health issues, uh, worked through it. Now, I, I was given a, a write-up for that, and I accept that because I was off, right? That, that's fine. Now, do these things not restart on a calendar year, or is that a company discretion? Well, it's on a company's discretion, but at the end of the day, the law is the only one that can decide whether or not whatever you did, you know, quote-unquote, is bad enough to be caused. So if you've missed uh, or if you were you know, late three times over the last year, it's never going to be caused. If you've been late 10 times uh, and they keep warning you, then yeah, it might be. So it's not so much about the calendar year. It's about you know, what is it in totality that you did that may be, may be caused. If you have health issues that may impact your attendance, Get them a doctor's note. Just a uh, doctor's note doesn't even have to be specific. Just say that for health reasons, there may be times where he has to be late, or there may be times where he's not able to make it first thing in the morning. Just get them that note because once you have that note, you you having attendance issue is no longer a a disciplinary issue. They can't discipline you because you have a health issue. So don't just struggle with your health and not tell them. Get a doctor's note that protects you. So they can't actually ask me what's wrong? No, they okay. cannot. Because Absolutely not. I have an not. HR manager who insisted, and my doctor mm. actually pushed back on this, wanting to know what, I was, what was wrong with me and when I would be, um, how it would affect my job. I get the how, to, how it will affect my job. Absolutely. But, you, you got it. It's how it will impact your job, not what you have. Whether you're suffering from a herniated disc or depression, it doesn't matter, right? It matters how things affect your job. So it's in none of your company's business what your medical condition is. It is their business if it impact, what impact it may have on the job. So it's about prognosis, not diagnosis. You should not uh, and have no obligation whatsoever to give them information about your specific medical condition. If they try to do anything to you, you get on the phone and you call me at the office. Okay, I appreciate it, sir. Thanks, Jim. Some good questions there and smart call reaching out to uh, get a hold of Lior. I'm sure you got this number already, but uh, give it to you anyway. one 821 
5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll take a, a short uh, short break here, get back to more of our uh, 10 Commandments of Employment Law Rules. Employment Law Show continues. Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. If you go to employmentlawyer.ca, the website, you'll see some links there to our uh, long-running television show as well, a 30-minute version, kind of what you get here on the radio several times a week, employmentlawyer.ca to do that. Revisiting the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment, number two, which I guess if we want to go back a little over a year ago, this might have been possibly in the bottom half of the list but it's gone right up to number two because of uh well because of the pandemic and that is thou shall not accept a temporary layoff a temporary layoff and and i've been hammering this point for the last year plus and i'm going to continue doing that uh, as long as uh, covid19 is still a thing Uh, but even outside of covid19 remember of course what i've been saying an employer for non-unionized employees does not have an automatic right to lay you off temporarily, even if it's because of COVID-19, even if it's because of the the state of the economy. If your employer puts you on a temporary layoff, you have a right to treat that as a termination. You have a right to say, no, you've done something illegal. You've done something, employer, that you're not allowed to do. And because of that, I now can get my full severance. And the reason why you don't want to just accept it is because if you accept it, and First of all, what do I mean by accepting a temporary layoff? What I mean by accepting is you come back when you're called back to work. If you do that, you've given the company the right to do it again and again and again and again. So let's say you've been off now for, I don't know, eight months, nine months, 12 months. You've been home, you've been waiting, you've been getting a few hundred dollars maybe uh, a week from, from the government trying to survive. Finally, thank God, they called you back to work. You go back to work, you're happy. Two months later, oh, we're going to put you on another layoff. Yep. At that point, you may say, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm not accepting this. But now you won't be able to do anything about it because you allowed the first one to happen. So you have to be mindful of that. You could have said with the first one, no, no, not accepting this. Pay me severance. By the way, severance, potentially, as much as two years pay, 24 months pay. You didn't accept or you didn't do that. You accepted it. Now you may be stuck. So something I need you to think about. If you want to discuss your temporary layoff, if you want to discuss whether you should accept it, what to do, how much you're owed, and how to go about getting it, call me. Don't just accept it without realizing what you could be losing. Again, revisiting the Ten Commandments, we call them, of termination of employment. Number three, we kind of covered with a a caller earlier, and that is responding to negative reviews and discipline. You should always do that in writing. I want to go to number four, though, and this is one that uh, should be obvious, but sometimes people kind of, uh, they glaze over it. That is, thou shall not commit serious workplace misconduct. Well, that's kind of an obvious one, but it's still an important one when it comes to termination of employment. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the, uh, the good ways not to lose out and, and, and give up on your severance entitlements and your termination entitlements is don't do really bad things at work. Listen, none of us are perfect, right? We all are going to make mistakes. We're all, all are going to have sometimes bad days. Maybe we even may say things that we regret. You know, it happens. And that's okay. The law understands that. Just because you've made that type of mistake does not mean that your employer can just let you go for cause. Doesn't mean you've given up on your severance. But let's not do really bad things. 
Let's not do things like committing fraud and, and uh, you know, being uh, completely unreasonable and uh, aggressive with clients or employers. Don't do those things. Don't commit serious misconduct. Definitely one of my commandments. If you don't do that, you'll never be terminated for cause. Number five is this. Thou shall always keep copies of all relevant documents. All relevant documents, employment agreements, uh, policies, uh, and, and uh, bonus plan documents. If you've been provided with a write-up or a performance review, have those because we may need to refer back to them if and when you are let go. One of the best ways to ensure you get everything on termination of employment is to arm yourself with all the relevant information. So get and have copies of all relevant documents. Keep listening to these, the uh, Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Number six, thou shalt keep records of important events. Like what? Yeah, important events, situations where you, you've been told something verbally. Your employer said to you, or, or said to you, uh, you know, here's how we're gonna, what we're going to do you to your job. Or, by the way, uh, if you do this, we're going to pay you a bonus. Have a record. Put it in writing. Send an email to someone. Uh, if you've talked to HR about something, maybe you've complained about another employee, make sure there's a written record. Keep everything in writing. And probably better than even just writing it down for yourself is send an email to your employer confirming, confirming that we discussed today the fact that I'm going to qualify for a bonus if I do X and Y. Or HR manager confirming that I talked to you about uh, the, uh, the mistreatment that I'm getting from these people. If it's not in writing, it doesn't exist you never want to be in a he said, she said type of a situation if you can avoid it. So the written word is your friend when it comes to employment law and certainly when it comes to termination of employment. I love number seven of the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. That is, uh, thou shall not get advice from your neighbor, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we started this show all these many, many yep. years ago, John, is because I was uh, so frustrated seeing people getting advice from uh, Google, uh, from message boards, from their neighbor Steve and from their Uncle Bob. No. And, and 99.9% of the time that advice is wrong and people accept less than their road, people give up on their rights because they get bad advice from well-meaning individuals. Please don't let that happen. If you don't want advice from me because you don't think I know what I'm talking about, speak with another employment lawyer, but please get advice from the right sources. And this one now shall assume that your severance offer is inadequate, big time. One of my biggest uh, commandments is the vast majority of people, when they're let go, are owed a lot more than what they're owed, uh, or what they've received. So you always have to look at that severance letter assuming that it's inadequate because 90% of the time it's, it is inadequate to the tune of probably uh, several months' pay. So what you do when you look at that letter, you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, you use our severance calculator there, you call me. Uh, as I said, call another employment lawyer if you don't want to talk to me, sure. but assume your severance offer is inadequate because it probably is. A couple minutes left. Let's get uh, uh, Peter in here quickly. Hi, Peter. What's your question? Hi. Um, I work for a uh, large organization, but I work in a smaller environment, basically, like a satellite store, let's say, in the GTA. Um, situation came up on uh, Monday, basically, where one of my kids was sick, um, and I notified my employer that there was a chance, basically, I may not be in the next day. Um, basically they told me to update them in the morning, which I did. Um, and then I was 
basically told, well, this, you know, um, I should have basically found somebody to work based, um, based on that, um, that I knew about this the day before. I was basically, felt like I was badgered to come in, basically, um, because my kid was sick. I don't know. Um, what uh, Do I have any recourse with them? Well, I'm assuming this has already happened. You already went in, et cetera, right? I went in for part of the day because my wife came home early. So I was able to go in for part of the day. So so we can't really do much about what happened. But generally speaking, okay. these days, especially if uh, if there is a family member that's sick, you know, the guidance that, that is being received is we have to until, you know, we know that it's not a COVID-19 issue, we have to stay off and, and away from work. So that's what what needs to happen and your employer should not force you and cannot force you or penalize you in that situation. In fact, they're the ones that should be insisting, no, no, you stay away because we don't want potentially to bring COVID-19 into the workplace. So if you're ever in that position... There wasn't a COVID-19 issue per se. Although unless, unless... Listen, if you don't know that, if you know that for sure, that's fine. But right now the guidance is if there's any one of many symptoms that your child has, then you got to stay away from work. Otherwise... If you uh, your employer is able to require you to come back to work, if we know it's not COVID nineteen, so it, it, to me it's really about COVID nineteen and whether or not it could be one of those things. There's no sort of family accommodation in a sense. Well, only if you have to have uh, that accommodation. If there's no other childcare uh, possibilities for you, your employer may have to accommodate you. But if you there is other possibilities, then there's no accommodation obligation. We are done with that one. And the last two of the commandments, you can uh, you can call the order about these. If you have any questions, kind of self-explanatory. Number nine is thou shall not sign. No, you do not until you make that phone call. And you also use thou shall use the severance calculator or call the or to do that. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website, always pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.